0: So Genesis 22, one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible, is where we are at um, today. It is a great text, and it, it uh, is very symbolic in terms of um, representing what God is going to do uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we're going to take a look at that text uh, this morning. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, And said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of their cities, the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants And they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Our text starts off with the words, sometime later. And actually, there's been about 20 years of time go by between Genesis chapter 21 and Genesis chapter 22. In chapter 21, Isaac had been weaned. And so we assume that he was about three. And so now Isaac is actually a young man um, at the age probably somewhere between 20 and 25 or so. And thus, again, he's no small boy. He had been the delight of his parents all of those years. But the other thing that brings this passage to life is the fact that this means that Isaac had to cooperate in his own death on the altar. He had to cooperate with Abraham, and that we will come back to. God tested Abraham. And that is not to say that all trials and all tests come from God, but occasionally they do. And sometimes as Christians, we need to know that God does indeed send some tests and some trials our way. They are sent often to fulfill a purpose of God in our life, and they are sent for the purpose of bringing out in us what is the very best in us. Temptations, on the other hand, come from evil desires that are within us. We know that from the book of James. We pray, as Jesus taught us, We pray to be delivered from those temptations because they are sent from Satan and they are intended to bring out the very worst in us. But when God sends a test, he sends a test to bring out the very best in us. And here we have Abraham, the great man of faith, the great friend of God, and he is being tested by God. Now we know that Abraham lives to be about 175 years old. And Abraham is likely between the ages of 115 and 125 or so at this time when God sends him the greatest test of his life. And I think for most of us, we get to that place of thinking that there ought to come a time in our life when we can retire from tests that they should, you know, just evaporate and go away. And I've been a Christian long enough that my life should just be a bed of roses. You know, it should just be easy from here on out. I was on the phone this last week with my Aunt Martha, who is a little over 80, and her husband is just a hair over 90. And um, she was she was telling me um, that, these days are the hardest days of her life. And she just struggles and prays every day that God will just give him wisdom as Erwin is really coming down to the very last days of his life. And sometimes it is easy for us to think, well, you know, life should just be easy at some point. But here we have the great man Abraham Well along in years, who's being tested by God in one of the most severe trials and tests of his life. We need a mind shift change. Sometimes you and I don't handle challenges and tests and trials as well as we could because we have become spiritually entitled We think we are entitled to a Christian life without tests and without trials and without problems. A lot of us are of the age where sometimes we are a little bit inclined to make fun of some of the millennial generation because we say they are entitled. They think they are entitled. (laughs) And at the Global Leadership Conference in Chicago, one of our sessions was held by Jason Dorsey, who studies the Gen X generation and the millennials. And he describes the millennials as today the largest workforce um, in America. And that's something for all of us to remember. Secondly, that they are experiencing delayed adulthood. Third, that they are not always tech savvy, even though we think they are, but they are very tech dependent. And if we want to have a relationship with them, and we want to uh, you know, communicate with them, they are tech dependent, and we need to recognize that. But then, then he told us this other thing. He said the millennials are splitting themselves into two different groups, the mega millennials who are successful and kind of go unnoticed, and the me-Lennials, who are very entitled in their thinking and are very noticed by most of us. (laughs) And the two of those groups cannot relate to each other. They can't understand each other, and so they've kind of separated and become their own two little worlds. What I want to say to us today that regardless of our age and regardless of our generation, we can develop a millennial mindset, which believes that we are entitled to a test-free life, especially if we've been a Christian for a long time. That is the kind of stuff that the prosperity gospel is made up of, that life should just be easy and you know I should be able to drive a Cadillac and you know who knows what all you know that everything should just go well but we have Abraham the great man of faith and the friend of God at over a hundred years of age and God throws the biggest test of his life at him Warren Wearsby writes, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. That certainly was the test that Abraham got. It was unbearable. I mean, God says, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and sacrifice him. If that's not unbearable, I don't know what is unbearable. It was unreasonable to sacrifice him. God? I mean, God? You never see God asking for that anywhere. In fact, in all of the scriptures after this, any the Israelites, one of the greatest things that brought the Babylonian captivity against the Israelites was when they started participating in child sacrifice with the pagan neighbors around. God was adamantly opposed to that. And that was one of the main reasons God sent them into captivity along with their idolatry and other things. But child sacrifice had become part of their pagan worship among the Israelites. So God was totally against that, and we know that uh, throughout the scriptures. And yet here, God challenges and tests Abraham to take his own son that was supposed to be the fulfillment of the promise of Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15 to take his son and slay him on the altar and burn him as a sacrifice to God. And it was impossible to expect to offer a burnt offering in worship. And it was really the choice between keeping his son and obeying God. What would he do with that choice, that impossible choice? Now, some commentators say that Isaac had become more precious to Abraham than God himself. And so that's why God sent the test. I would beg to differ with those scholars and I would say that this passage itself proves just the opposite, that Abraham was not more in love with his son than he was with God because he was willing to immediately obey God and go sacrifice his son and head up there. As we see in verses 3-5, through when morning comes, the very next morning, Abraham's obedience is prompt and it's complete. He loads his donkey, he cuts the wood for the burnt offering, and, and he leaves and he heads out there, takes two servants and his son, and he goes out there. The first test of obedience for us is whether we start moving in the direction of obedience or whether we procrastinate. The first step of obedience to God is always whether we take those first steps and start moving in the direction of obedience or whether we procrastinate. And Abraham passed the test. He started moving in the direction of obedience right away. It took him three days to get there, but he started moving in the direction of obedience. The longer we procrastinate in our obedience to God, the less likely that we will ever obey God. Now, you know that. Uh, You know that from raising children. uh, (laughs) That the less likely they are to get right on obedience, the less likely they will ever clean their room or do what you've asked them to do. Um, And you know that about yourself. If you're going to obey, you have to get on it right away. When he sees the place for the sacrifice, notice his words to his servants here. They're they're remarkable words for a man who thinks he's going to sacrifice his son. He says to his servants, stay here. We, Isaac and I, are going to go over there and we will worship God there and we will come back to you. Now we might think, we might think that Abraham was just deceiving his servants for the sake of Isaac. And some, many scholars believe that. But Abraham, I think, had come through a long night to a quiet faith that God could indeed raise Isaac back to life to fulfill God's promise to him. We know from Hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 through 19, um, that's what Hebrews tells us is that Abraham actually believed that God could raise Isaac back to life. And I think somewhere during that night, this great man of faith realized if God is asking me to sacrifice, the answer when, when Ishmael wasn't good enough for God, and, and God said, "No, you're going to have this son Isaac, and he's going to fulfill the promise that I made to you, that you will have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And now God is asking me to sacrifice him on that offering on that altar, I think Abraham had come to the conclusion that if God was asking that of him, that God could raise Isaac back to life because Abraham at this point in his life had come to know that even though Abraham was not always faithful, God is always faithful. Abraham believed that his descendants would come through Isaac, even if he sacrificed Isaac on the altar before God. And so on the trip, Isaac loads up, the, or um, Abraham loads up the wood on Isaac, which reminds us again that he's not, not a small boy. He's carrying the wood for the altar and all of that. And the wood symbolizes the sins of the world that is going to be burned up on this altar. And Abraham lays that wood upon Isaac as God lays the sins of the world upon the Lord Jesus Christ as he hangs there on the cross many, many centuries later. Abraham and Isaac carry everything that is needed for the sacrifice, but Isaac knows that something is missing. The lamb is missing, and Abraham says to his son when he asks, where is the lamb? Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. You see there, even to his son, Abraham still has absolute confidence in God's faithfulness and God's provision. And he says the Lord will provide, and the the Hebrew words for that is Jehovah-Jireh, which is one of the names for God. The Lord will provide. And Abraham is speaking not only of the present tense, that God will provide somehow, some miraculous way, in this situation, but he would also provide in the future. God will provide the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. And so they reach this place on Mount Moriah. And Abraham does everything needed. He builds the altar that is needed for the sacrifice. And he lays everything out. And then he binds his son Isaac which necessitates at this point in Isaac's life that he cooperate and you don't bind a young man i i'll tell you what if i tried to bind up one of my three boys <laughs> i would end up bound up <laughs> But Abraham binds up his son Isaac and Isaac is at this point where he trusts his father so much that he allows his father to bind him up. And lay him on the altar. Isaac needs to trust his father to the point of death. And Abraham reached out with his knife And he intended to slay his son in obedience to God, but God stopped him. Because God had never intended for Abraham to actually follow through, but only to be willing. And now God knew that Abraham feared and treasured God more than anything else on earth, including his son Isaac. Abram. Abraham told Isaac that God would provide the lamb, and sure enough, God now provides a ram, which Abraham took and sacrificed. And Abraham then calls that place and names that place, the Lord will provide. That's what Mount Moriah means. And it has that meaning to it. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And because Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for God, God now said, Now you fulfilled your part of the covenant. You were willing to sacrifice your son for me. Now I am going to sacrifice my son for all of your descendants. Every one of us. That decision was made and ratified and covenanted together with Abraham way back here in Genesis chapter 22. There would be no ram for Jesus. There would be no substitute because only Jesus, the Son of God, can take away the sins of the world. Jesus suffered and he died in our place that we might know God and that you and I might become children of Abraham as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the ocean. The place that Abraham named, the Lord will provide, was Mount Moriah. That was the place in First Chronicles chapter 21 that was the place that King David bought uh, the threshing floor and he purchased to put the temple on that, that Solomon was going to build. And it was indeed the place in Second Chronicles chapter 3 where Solomon built that grand temple of his. Today it is the place where the Dome of the Rock sits the Muslim Mosque. And it stands over that rock. is built over that rock where Abraham built an altar. It is the general location where Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. And it is the temple. It is the place where the temple is going to be rebuilt, according to Revelation. So, here we come. God speaks to Abraham. And he tells Abraham that his descendants are going to be a blessing to the entire world because of Abraham's obedience. Because of Abraham's obedience, God sacrificed his one and only son, and his one and only son went willingly. He cooperated. The scripture says, they do not take my life. I lay down my life for the sheep. And so Jesus acts in the same way that Isaac acted there in Genesis chapter 2. Jesus dies on the cross for our sins so that they could be forgiven and so that we could bless the entire world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, just as Isaac willingly trusted Abraham to be bound and to be sacrificed, so Jesus willingly laid down his life for every one of us so that we might have life and have it to the full. As we look at this text this morning, Abraham is a call for us to trust God. To give God permission to test us, to try us. Not to have a mindset that somehow we are entitled and somehow our life should be easy all the time. No, indeed, even the greatest saints of the Bible went through some of the severest tests at at maybe points in their life when they thought they were past those great tests of the faith. Do not become spiritually entitled God wants you to be able to be tested by him and tried by him, and he wants to see the gold come out of your lives in the midst of that. God wants to remind us that in the midst of those tests and trials that you and I are called to obedience that does not procrastinate but immediately starts taking steps in the direction of obedience so that God can use us. But thirdly, Abraham is a call for us to put our trust in Jesus who laid down his life on the cross and willingly suffered in our place so that we might have eternal life and become the children of Abraham that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15.